Well, good evening, everybody. Is this thing making noise? Oh, there it is. I can hear it now. It's making noise. Are we ready to praise the Lord? Amen. So, welcome. Welcome to the house of God. We're getting ready to do some praise and worship. Boy, it's good to see everybody tonight. I see a lot of faces, and it's wonderful to see you all. It's... Uh, I'm rested, and I feel really good, so I just want to say welcome to everybody. Amen? Amen. All right, well, I'm going to read a verse and pray, and then we'll get some praise and worship. How's that sound? All right. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all of his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, that the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand, please. Prepare our hearts for worship. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and honor you, and we thank you. We thank you for this time that you've given us to be able to come together and to praise you and to worship you, Lord. We thank you for our lives and for your love. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would just, uh, Lord, uh, anoint this service, anoint these men as they bring us into that great place, that place of praise and worship tonight. Lord, be with this service, Lord. Uh, put your hands on the speaker, bless his mouth, bless his heart. Lord, give him strength, give him courage, give him wisdom. Lord, and if there be anybody here tonight who don't know you, Lord, I pray tonight would be the night that their heart would be drawn to you. And Lord, I also pray tonight for those that might be in pain and need your, need your healing tonight, Lord. I pray that you would heal them as well. Lord, help us to be the best we can be for you. We love you, we praise you, we honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got a new one we're going to do tonight. It's called The Wind Blows. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes.
Lord, we give you praise tonight in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
thank you that you are that Petra, Lord. You are that rock that we can stand on. That we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are loved and our sins are forgiven. We thank you so much.
today that whatever we do, whatever it is that you give us as a mission, whatever it is that you call upon the members of your body to do, no matter where we're at, that Jesus will always be the center, will be the reason, will be the name that we claim. And Father, we just pray that the name of Jesus be on our lips, be in our minds, be the first thing that we state and the last thing that we think of. Father, we thank you for just bringing all of us around your son. And we thank you for the mighty works that you do through his name. In Jesus' name. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus.
thank you so much for everything that you do for us, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful time that you've given us, Lord God, to come together and sing our praises to you, Lord. Lift up our voices, Lord. And just thank you, Lord. And confess your name. Heavenly Father, I lift up the service tonight in the prayer. It'll all go according to your will, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I was reminded this week that God's plans are bigger than my plans. I was reminded this week that, that sometimes I get caught up in my own ideas and my own ways and my own ideas of things. And God quickly reminded me that he, he was in control. And I just praise God for that. And I just, I just praise God that, that we can remember that and, and be reminded of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to ask our, our brother John Matthews to come up and pray for us. But before he does, I have a question for you. What do you call a mouse that has just taken a bath? Squeaky clean. straight on this thing. Here we go. And uh, it says in Ephesians 518 b to 21, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, well, it's going to have fun, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. I ask you as a church body of our Lord and Savior to join with me in talking to him in agreement. Because he tells us when we're in agreement, things happen. It's my own words of that, but it's close to that. And so I ask you in agreement that we as a church body pray together. Join with me. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we come to you tonight. We humble ourselves before you as our sovereign almighty God, our savior, our keeper, our shepherd, our leader, our everything, our all in all. Help each one of us in our own hearts 
speak to you, giving you the glory for the things that you've done, the things that you're doing, and the things that you will do. We know you have the plans. We know you have the know-how. We know you have the love for us. We thank you for everything you do. There are many people here this evening and we all have desires. We all have things we want you to take care of for us and for our loved ones and for those who don't know you. You know these requests that are on our hearts. We ask you to forbear with us, help us, grant these requests that are in our hearts if it be in your perfect will. Help us to want your perfect will at all times. <clears throat> help us to stay in your perfect will because we know the only way we can stay in your perfect will is if you guide us. We ask you for that guidance. We ask you for healing for those that need healing, whether it's mentally or physically, socially. Help us to forgive ourselves of our pasts. Help us to look to you for our futures. Be with our families, some that we're in touch with, some that we're not. Heal the families where it is your perfect will to do so. Lord, we reach out to you for your divine help in every part of our life. And we submit ourselves to you. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I just want to remind you, brothers and sisters, that one of the greatest actions of love we can show to our brothers and sisters is to pray for them. So just be reminded this week to, to pray for one another. Pray for those things that, that, that come onto your heart. You know, just, I just really, really am, am wanting to say that tonight. I'm really drawn to say that. Just pray for one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, as we prepare for our brother Mark to come and bring us the word, I have one more question for you. What do you call a sheep farm with no rams? Useless. Can you hear me now? All right. So, tonight we're going to be, hi Jeff, we're going to be, are we up? There we go. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about striving for rest. It's a little bit different, and how can I find it? Maybe we need to know what it is first, but the summary for this is that God's promised rest doesn't result from our works. It results from receiving his grace and walking in his ways. So that's where we're going to start. And we're going to continue together in worship as we look into his word. Um, when we yield ourselves to God's word, 
we proclaim the glory of God. And that is worship. And so as we look into his word, we're worshiping. As we, as we let God's word wash over our thoughts and wash away our thoughts and have our minds transformed, we worship him. And today we're going to consider rest. I got, I got a need for rest. <laughs> I didn't seem to get a whole lot of sleep last night. Um, and the truth be told, I think most of us need rest. And little Johnny, you remember little Johnny, little Johnny watched his father come home from working another long day. And Johnny wanted his dad to play catch with him, but dad said he needed a little rest before he could do it. Soon it was dark, and there would be no catch again tonight. Saturday rolled around, and Johnny had got up early, and he went off to the park to play catch with his buddies. And a couple hours later, he came home, and his father called him over and said, let's watch the car and then play catch. Well, Johnny replied, I need a little rest before I can do that, Dad. And I'll bet you can guess what happens. Later never came. There was never a time when there was enough rest to take care of that relationship. And that's an issue that we can all be faced with. This story, of course, is, is related to the physical rest that we need after exertion. And there's also the rest that's craved for an emotional distress and depression. And I know that there are some who suffer with that. At times, we can all suffer with that. We find then that rest, like many other nouns in our language, can refer to different things. There's physical rest, there's sleep, there's eternal rest. Of course, there are times when we're tired and we seek rest. There are naps and there are rest stops. And we can't forget about rest rooms. I've even heard about beauty rest. And I was wondering if anyone knew a source for this, because as a source site for eyes, I'm confident I could use a whole truckload of it. But as we look forward a little bit, science promotes that rest is necessary for our health. Our culture propounds the benefits of rest to the extent that we can find a plethora of products promoting rest. Mattresses, alarm clocks, pink noise generators, sleep-inducing medications, snore eliminators, just to name a few. But there's another type of rest. And today I want to focus on that rest. We often read of this rest in scripture. The, the key text that we have for today is coming from Matthew. And he was a tax collector and by way of reminder, our text evidences Matthew's witness that Jesus is the Messiah who fulfills God's promise to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he brings true peace and deliverance to all of mankind. Our text is sandwiched between the account of Jesus proclaiming woe on the cities who sniffed at the mighty works of God that Jesus performed and the account of Jesus proclaiming he is Lord of the Sabbath. 
seventh day of rest, right? He begins this discourse with a prayer, thanking God for hiding wisdom from the self-proclaimed wise men and understanding ones and disclosing the same wisdom to little children. Our text immediately follows Jesus speaking the truth that no one knows the Father except those who Jesus chooses to reveal the Father to. With that, let's go to our text. And in honor of God's word, let's stand. In uh, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, as we receive instruction from your word, I just ask that you would, that you would set aside our own wisdom, that you would set aside our own understanding, and that your spirit would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would transform them by your word, that we might go from this place renewed and full of your rest. Thank you for your ministry to us and thank you for the the opportunity that we have to gather and just worship you in Christ's name. Okay, let's be seated. So there are five topics from these two verses. I was going to try and do 16, but that's a little bit long. So the five are, are rest is received, rest is a result rest restores, rest rewards, and rest results in righteous responses. That's a lot of rest. Let's get to work. <laughs> and we'll begin with <laughs> rest is received. Jesus issues an invitation in, that, in the, those verses in Matthew for rest. I don't think it's the same kind of rest that Johnny and his dad were, were thinking about or desiring. And the truth be told, I don't think it's the kind of rest that most of us think about either. Remember, Jesus has just finished thanking God that he hides things from the self-proclaimed wise and understanding ones. That shows us that Jesus is not speaking about naps or sleep. He has something else in mind. This is a spiritual truth just like the one he revealed to the woman at the well. The Greek word here used for rest is a noun, and it's anapoosis, which means a cessation of labor, to stop working. And the verb used has the same root, anapau, which means to rest, to give rest, to give intermission, intermission from labor, and it carries the idea of refreshment or refreshing. And we all know what that can be like, you know, going up to the mountains for you guys. That was refreshing. Even if people did try to push trees over on you and never mind, just a little. So in the here and now, 
We can help others carry their physical and emotional loads. But Jesus isn't exactly offering that kind of assistance. I believe we think mostly of physical rest, but he's talking about rest for the soul, which results in far more than just physical rest. What makes our souls weary? The first thing I can think of is sin. Sin results in feeling separated from God, and it often results in guilt. I can relate to that. Maybe you can too. Because I can relate to trying to deal with guilt by trying to do something good to outweigh the bad. Our souls sense the futility of trying to do right so we can earn the right to be right with God. Jesus is not promoting this foolish notion. And as Paul reminds us in Romans, the wages of sin is death. We earn death. I tell you, death is wearying to the soul. For those who have not yet trusted Jesus, this is the inner realization that they are separated from God. Often, this results in trying substitutes to satisfy the inner longing to be united with the Creator. There are many somethings in this world that offer up attempt to slake this thirst. Material goods, counseling, entertainment, physical pleasure, doing good works, education, and religion are just a few of the things that came quickly to mind when I was thinking through this. But these things, which are offered up in the world's wisdom, are foolishness to God. They cannot satisfy our inner longings. So the striving continues. More stuff is tried to satisfy, all to no end. Don't think that we as believers are immune to this. It's a hopeless pursuit, but we try it too. This, there's lots of ample evidence that, un, that believers also substitute things trying to satisfy the soul's desire to be sated by a salubrious relationship with God we try lots of stuff. We sin. We try to lift our spirit by listening to Christian music or watching Christian videos. We sin, so we try to do good in the church to compensate for our trespass and our lapses. The bad news is that none of the works we can do change the reality of our sin. In light of this depressing news, God offers something of himself. He offers a yoke. Yokes, if you don't know, yokes are devices that hook two animals together so that they can work as a team. Jesus offers rest as a result of being yoked with him. With him, sin no longer has dominion over a person. God replaces our unrighteous works, which can only earn death, with Christ's propitiation which purchases out of sin's slave market and makes us adopted sons and daughters. What's needed to claim the rest of Christ's offer? Well, repentance. 
We must believe that Christ is the only way to receive God's rest. Those who haven't yet trusted Christ must repent and trust him, resulting in salvation. And those who have trusted Christ must in repentance confess their sin and yield their lives again to him. We call that sanctification. We must receive rest from Christ. He's the only source it can come from. We don't deserve, nor can we earn, the rest that Jesus reflects on here. We can receive it, but we can't create it, and we can't find a substitute for it. So we're instructed that rest is received. Now, let's see how rest is also the result. <laughs> if any of us have been yoked to another by a wooden beam or a, a what do they call those? A, a sack, a, one of those flower sacks in a three-legged race, right? <laughs> so that we can do work or that we can complete some goal. Uh, we probably wouldn't think of this as rest. <laughs> Yet, Jesus offers to give us rest when we take his yoke upon us. And by the way, by the way, my brother, also, that's no yoke. Okay, sorry. <laughs> since Jesus was sinless, since Jesus was sinless, he could offer the righteous sacrifice of God that was required to pay for sin. See, Jesus is, we use that word, he's our propitiation. He's the full and necessary payment to cover all of our transgressions. Our debt as a believer has been paid for, past, present, and future. Before we humble ourselves and take his yoke, we attempt to calm our soul's unease by doing things we think will please God. We're told, though, that this won't restore relationship because all our works are like what? Filthy rags. That should tell us something, right? Anytime I'm trying to rely on doing good in order to earn God's favor, I am relying on me. <laughs> Whatever we try on our own doesn't help. It hurts our relationship with God. And I ask the question, why? Well, because at the moment we believe that we can do it our own way, we are telling God we are righteous on our own. We declare to him that our works are acceptable for relationship restoration. And in doing that, we call God a liar, and we put ourselves on the throne, and we make an idol out of ourselves. First commandment, you shall have no other God before you. Truth of the matter is, I and probably most of us in this room have put ourselves on that throne and we worship ourselves and we do it this way. And it's real easy to do. And our pride blinds us to exactly what it is that we're doing. But make, make, make no mistake, it says God hates the 
proud, and God will have no other gods before him. Okay? Imagine trying to play a softball game by yourself. <laughs> you tell the coach, you don't need any help. You can do it all. You can pitch, swing, catch, run, and tag, even if you are on an iron lung machine in the hospital. I just can't see that impressing the coach. Can you? So you got that image? Jesus says that taking his yoke and learning from him will result in finding rest for our souls. He is the key for finding rest. He is the key for receiving rest. He is the key for restoring our relationship with God. It is he and he alone that bridges the chasm that separates us from God. Rest is the result of accepting Christ's atoning work on the cross. The book of Hebrews talks about rest in chapters 3 and 4. There we're reminded that God rested on the seventh day and that God prescribed a day of rest called the Sabbath. In Hebrews 3, we're reminded that the Israelites did not enter Canaan. Their rest from the Exodus and they didn't go into Canaan and receive that rest because of disobedience. We are also reminded that this was a foreshadowing of the rest that Christ came to bring. So, looking in Hebrews chapter 3, it reads this way. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. From this instruction, we can discern two things. We can discern more than that, but I just wanted to pick out two. First, God has promised rest for believers, not for unbelievers. I think we can agree that Adam and Eve had their rest, and their rest ended when they chose to trust in the deceiver's lies instead of God's truth. God gave them instruction. Who, who said he would give us instruction in Matthew? Jesus. Take my yoke and instruction. God satisfies our inner longings with his rest. 
which he has placed in at the beginning of creation. And when Adam and Eve got sent out of the garden, their rest, that rest, that form of rest ended. But there's good news. The second thing we should see is that the rest God provides today comes only through Christ. Sin has a way of <clears throat> suggesting that we can find rest in some other way. This is another deceitful lie like that in the garden. There is no other way than receiving and trusting in the work of Christ. So receive your rest from Christ and be assured that you have rest as a result of trusting Christ. Amen? The kind of rest we're talking about is not that physical rest that we all get, <laughs> some of us three, some of us five, some of us eight, some of us ten hours a day. But we receive a, a deep rest, <clears throat> one that's much deeper than the kind of rest that we get physically. The next thing we'll look at is rest restores. You see, the, the kind of rest that God grants affects our entire being and affects, it affects the way that we do life. Johnny and his dad just wanted to get a little physical rest to refresh them before going on to the next thing. <clears throat> We've pursued things to numb the pain we have inside because of our soul's longing and it being unfulfilled. Our attempts to rest have often failed us and have actually harmed us and others. The rest Jesus offers is all-encompassing. It starts by giving us a heart transplant. He satisfies the payment of sin and gives a heart bent toward him. Then it gives us strength to live for today. And finally, we have a promise that gives us hope for the future. The yoke believers take comes with instructions from God. He gives us wisdom to navigate the enemy's minefield. He trains us for doing battle with our soul's enemy. He encourages us in the battles of life by reminding us that the Spirit of God is present with us every moment of every day. He shows us his power daily through the world he has made and through the miracles he performs in our lives and the lives of those we know. Probably each one of us can think of a time when we did not trust Christ. Now think about what he redeemed you from, what he continues to redeem you from. Paul reminds us of his transformation and how God effected the change in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen away or fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul understands that God's grace brought him rest. Regardless of his past. Brothers, Regardless of your past, God is promising you rest. And all you have to do is request it. That's an important thing to consider. Your past has been dealt with. God does not hold it against you. And he does not expect you to continue in it. God's rest is proclaimed in the gospel and it restores us. Paul also reminds us in Corinthians 6 that restoration is for all believers who trust in Christ for their rest. Now this is, this is like a litany of our culture's bad boys list, right? Here it is. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindles will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a list of bad boys. And girls. Exactly. And then he says, and such were some of you. Oh, in the church we have people who have sordid pasts sometimes the church forgets that Paul didn't he didn't forget himself but he also didn't forget who's in the church but he says but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God that brings us rest it brings us peace God's promise of rest is predicated on, a, on God's fulfillment of the law. When we receive Jesus' offer, we find forgiveness and restoration of our souls. We begin to bask in the protection of God and have our minds renewed. He frees us from the Sisyphean task of trying to work our way into God's good graces by following the law and instead, our souls are at peace with God. Transforms our entire being. A restored right relationship is a blessing 
a miracle, a work to give God glory for. Our heart should overflow with a good theme of praise daily for this blessed restoration. So, we've looked at rest is received. Rest is a result of, the, of rest. Rest restores. And now we're going to look at rest rewards. The passage in Hebrews 3 spoke of God's rest. It shows us how God promised rest for his people long, long ago. And he gave it to Adam and Eve. When we look at Hebrews 4, we learn that Jesus is the high priest who satisfies God's requirement to finally bring rest to God's people. They couldn't do it through the law. They couldn't do it by not rebelling because they rebelled. And the Sabbath rest that God initiated in creation, right? On the seventh day, he rested. That's a pattern for us to see. And it called his people to observe that. And it was a foretelling of the rest that Christ purchased for us. So we'll read just a little bit out of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that, one may, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed, the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that, may, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. <clears throat> Jesus understands our weaknesses. He sees us, he sees into us, and he knows our troubles, our trials, and our tribulations. In the rest he provides, we receive power to overcome in our hour of need. He gives us courage to confront our failures and fears. Would you not call these tangible rewards in the here and now of the rest we receive in Christ? A peace of mind. The peace in the midst of, the st of our storms that Christ's rest provides is beyond our understanding. His rest is the fruit of God's plan to redeem each one of us. The ultimate reward is to be in his presence at rest for all eternity. With him there is no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more corruption, no more trials or temptations. And I call that the ultimate reward. So the last one that we're going to reflect on is that rest results in righteous responses. We now consider that rest, the rest Jesus provides, is not an idle rest. 
Jesus said that his yoke was easy and his burden light. Consider that there is a yoke and there's a burden. In resting on, on Christ, we are enabled to do the work he prepared beforehand, before the foundation of the world, for us to do. We're not called to relax and think that God's instruction was to walk in his ways, he, but we could just sit back and do nothing. Paul rhetorically asked, What shall we say then? Shall we sin all the more that grace might abound? May it never be. One result of receiving God's rest is the shalom of God. We are no longer slaves of sin. We no longer have to think as a slave of sin. Instead, we now have the freedom to serve God and glorify him. We have joy and gladness of heart because our eternity is sure. We don't have to question whether God loves us. We don't have to fret about what he thinks of us. We can let our petitions be known and expect that he hears us and he responds in love to work all things for our good. And now that we dwell in his rest, we respond with the righteous works he has prepared for us to do. In humility, we ask for wisdom. In humility, we seek to obey him and walk in his ways. In Matthew 6 or Matthew 5, Jesus gives us insight into what being in his rest provides. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed in this case can also be translated happy. <coughs> happy, content, at rest. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Being rested by God means satisfaction as we hunger for holiness. Knowing that God's wrath was satisfied by Christ's work, our souls now turn toward God and seek to be in his presence. We've been freed from the anticipation of his wrath and look instead to rest in the work he has for us to do. That's a blessing and it's how we respond to Christ's redemption. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. To recap. Rest is received. Rest is a result. Rest restores. Rest rewards. And rest results in righteous responses. And it's my hope that each of us reflects on the rest that Christ has purchased and offered to us that we would consider how his rest guides us today and tomorrow and tonight. May each of us strive to enter his rest today. May our lives be a testament, a testament of his rest to a confused, calamitous world. We, we can testify to our neighbors, to our friends, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are at rest with Christ as we attend to the light burdens he asks us to share in. All right, it's time to stand because you know what comes next. <laughs> rest, we're going to rest. <coughs> Can you cue that up? <laughs>
I like the song, but I was wondering what, what that bell noise was. I didn't think that was part of the song. It's like, it's off time. I love this song, but it's off time. I, I had no idea. I didn't check in with Mark um, beforehand. Usually the people who speak will go over kind of what they're going to go over. And I didn't have a chance to go over that, um, which is fine. But right before Mark was getting ready to speak, it was impressed upon me to ask a friend, a dear friend, who I work with and see working constantly, to ask this person, when is your day off? Like, when is your day where you rest? You get away from things and you rest. And so that was like, okay, after service, I'm going to go ask this person, or at some point over today or tomorrow, I'm going to ask this person, when do you rest? And then as we got to what Mark was talking about, not only am I still going to ask this person if they haven't figured it out already, when do they rest, but I was talking to Ray earlier that we have a lot of people among us, including sometimes ourselves, that can't seem to find rest, even though we proclaim the name of Jesus. Because we're so caught up in the words, like the list that Mark read out of Corinthians, you were and were and were and were, but in Christ, you were and were and were, all of its past tense. How do we recognize that so that we can enter into that rest? Thank you, Jesus. So I would encourage you not to say, well, it was, it, it's, you know, it's just preaching and, and I'll, I'll go back. No, to be challenged to go to your brothers and say, how can I help you find rest? How can I help you into the rest? Because I guarantee you, if today I'm not struggling and you are, tomorrow you'll be great and I'll be struggling. But each and every one of us can help each other be reminded of that rest. To cease from working, cease from strife, to be refreshed, and to have your eyes focused on Christ to, to, to just be inundated with his love, inundated with his affirmation so that when we go out and deal with all the things that we have to deal with, we're not dealing with it from a place of internal conflict. We're dealing with it from a place of rest. So I encourage you. I'm not telling you to meddle, but we can ask. We can come alongside. We can intercede and we can say, you seem that you're restless. How can I help you enter or be reminded of the rest that you are in? Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.